All right. Well, we've been having a fantastic time over the last six months or so looking at this big picture resource, and there's been so much that's been coming to the light in terms of what God's macro purposes for us as the body. So much so that sometimes it can be almost overwhelming, hey, you know, just what it is that we're called to. But when the revelation of who we are, who God is, and what he's called us for impacts our hearts and gets on the inside of us, it sets us ablaze in a way that nothing else does. And so we're going to be continuing looking at this big picture theme. Last week, we looked at what it meant to be overcomers. Um, And there was a powerful scripture that we looked at in 1 John, you know, that talks about, you know, what is it that overcomes the world? And John says it's our faith. It's our ability to see what exists in this unseen realm. The ability to, to see what it is that Christ done, what it is that his purposes are. And this revelation, this unveiling, the revelation calls it the apocalypse, the tearing of the scales from our eyes. Um, the revelation of who Christ is opens up a brand new world to us. It's called the kingdom of God. And we looked at what, it, what is faith, the ability to see what's unseen and how it's essential to be able to have faith in being an overcomer. It's essential to know that we are born and created for something that's so much bigger than this earth and this life if we're to overcome the things that life throws at us. Hey, And so we were looking at it from more of a macro perspective. This morning we're going to keep looking at the theme of what it means to be an overcomer, but we're going to dial things in a bit and look at it from a micro perspective. What does it mean to be an overcomer in reality? What what does it mean in day-to-day life to overcome the things of life, to overcome physical things, emotional things? And overcome in a real practical sense. Um, so we've got the dream team up here this morning. The Chris's, as they're, as they're known. Um, I'm like sandwiched in between the sandwich. <laughs> there we go. I didn't think of that in advance. That was on the fly. <laughs> I am available if you want to um, hire me for your events. <laughs> um, But yeah, it's going to be an awesome morning. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to share real practically this morning what it means to be an overcomer in reality. And we're going to take a little bit of time on the panel, but we're not going to spend all morning up here because we want to hear from you guys. So we're going to take a little bit of time to unpack what this overcoming life looks like. I've asked the guys to share a bit of testimony, what that's meant for them. Um, And then we're going to break off into groups. And what we want to do is spend actually the best part of the morning dialoguing at our tables together. What does it mean to be an overcomer? What is it that we overcome? And just sharing with each other living testimony of what Christ is doing in you, what it means to to overcome the things of the world. We're not to live in the daily grind. We're to what Jesus and, and Paul call reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Is that cool? All right, so we've got a couple of scriptures to look at um, and a few key questions to unpack, so I'll just pull those up. All right, so if you've got your Bibles, the scripture we were looking at last week was 1 John 5, 4 to 5. So if you want to just turn to 1 John 5, 4 to 5, and we'll start there.
All right. So you'll remember this from last week. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Keep that filed away in the back of your mind for a second. And then you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 to 12. So we might start at verse 6. It says this. For God who said, light shall shine out of the darkness, is the one who has shone in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also might be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. Powerful big-time scripture, eh? And here we see Paul pouring out his heart about the reality of this powerful life that he's entered into. You know, he says, We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be from God and not for ourselves. And then he shares what the reality of his life looks like. He's been afflicted in every way, but not crushed. So he shares the reality of what life looks like for him, a life full of affliction. And for us, while we might not experience the exact same lifestyle that Paul did, there's an affliction in everyday life, right? Having kids in some ways can be an affliction. <laughs> Going to work, having to navigate difficult conversations with, with work colleagues in, in the work environment. Sometimes being married can be an affliction. Sometimes being part of a church family and navigating the reality and dynamics of life together can be, there's enough affliction in daily life. And yet for Paul, he was a man who was able to rise, to rise above the natural, normal life things because he had a substance and a life source inside of him to say things like this, afflicted in every way, but not crushed. You see, for Paul, he was afflicted, but the affliction towards him didn't create an, an affliction within him. Yeah. See, life itself wasn't a grind to Paul. He was able to rise above it and live from this overcoming life that we're about to, overpack, uh, to, about to unpack this morning. It doesn't say that he was afflicted and he shrunk back in desperation and life destroyed him. No, he was afflicted. But what rose up within him was an overpowering life because of what he had received on the inside. And so Paul says this, he says, We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not, for himself, not of ourselves. He was a man like you and I. It says of Elijah that he was a man of like passions. He lived in a physical earthly, fleshly body, just like the, the rest of us. But 
the, the beautiful power of the gospel was that while he was a physical man, he had a divine power, a treasure in the earthen vessel called Paul that was heavenly and divine. And that's what we had to enter into as these overcoming people, this new race, these people called Christians who have Christ on the inside. So I've got a few questions uh, for us as a panel, and then we'll unpack them in our tables as well. Got here, question number one. What does an overcoming look life, overcoming life look like and live reality in the day-to-day? And can you share testimony of what this means in your life? So that's where we're headed. But before that, I think we'll answer this question. What does it actually mean to be an overcomer? And what is it that we actually overcome? Chris, number one. Now, if you want to unpack that for us, what does it mean to be an overcomer? Great question. Morning, everyone. Um, Yeah, I think that's such a great question because when we hear the word overcomer, it's easy to uh, put a, a, attach our own ideas of what that looks like to it. So overcoming naturally might mean whatever circumstance I'm up against, I'm going to be victorious over it. Um, And while that's sometimes the case, that's not always the case. So that's the external reality. The internal reality is that when I have this indestructible life in me, regardless of this external circumstance, this isn't taken out. So uh, when we go into testimony later, you know, I've been thinking about this over the week, you know, what is it that is right to share about the journey of overcoming and you know in many instances it looks like um, we've we've faced something and through process we overcame the circumstance but the greater testimony is what happened on the inside throughout that process and in this journey of overcoming I also realized that not every situation was resolved in a way that I would have said, I've overcome that. Um, and you read that in Hebrews 11, it says, that in, in my Bible it says, by faith they overcame. And I think that was such a key part of what you said there, Sam, to do with how it is that we see, where it is that we are looking from, and what it is that we truly have sight of. And so it, when it talks about this, in this hall of faith, it talks about some that subdued kingdoms, some that closed the mouths of lions, some that um, wrought righteousness or quenched fire. And yet in the same part it says some didn't accept deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. They were sawn in half, they were burned, they were beaten. It doesn't sound like what I would naturally call overcoming, and yet they absolutely overcame. But what is it that they overcame? Is it this external circumstance? And you think about Jesus. He didn't come to overcome the Roman Empire, which is what everyone wanted him to do. He looked at something so much greater, overcame sin and death. I'm I'm so glad that he didn't live from an earthly sight based on what it was that everyone around him wanted him to overcome and wasn't concerned by what the earthly definition of overcoming was. And I love that, eh? And you see that with Jesus on the cross. You know, what did, what did that process for him look like? Yeah. That as he was being whipped and beaten, you know, 
had the cross put on his back, the crown of thorns on his head, you can see through his life the immense affliction on the man. And what was so incredibly present was not a response to the affliction, but a response to what he saw, hey, you know, because it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And you can imagine it'd be a very different story if Jesus was to turn around and say, I've had enough, I'm done. You know what I mean? Like the overcoming reality was that it says that he was a lamb led to the slaughter, that he went without a word. You know, what does it look like to be in that position and that the reality and the pressure externally has no ability to define the love and the sight that's taking place in here, eh? You know, it's, it's powerful, eh, in the sense that, you know, when he's on the cross, the people are mocking him and saying, come down onto that cross, come down. But they had no sight of what Jesus was really doing for them. He was setting them free and they had no idea. But it was the power within Jesus to actually love back that's the overcoming thing. When everything is thrown at you and yet inside you love back, you respond totally different. I love what Paul said. I mean, when you look at Paul, he says in Romans 15, he says, For I presume not to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. So in other words, Paul wasn't writing a theory of what it would be like. He wasn't writing something that would sound really good if you could somehow bear under the pressure and, and do this and do that. Paul was giving a testimony. He was testifying of this life that was in him that overcame all these different things, that he saw it as, as nothing. He saw it as nothing because he'd seen something far greater. And that was the, that was the most beautiful thing. And, and it's the same thing for us. It's the substance of Christ within us that enables to us to overcome any situation that we face. And so, uh, just looking at um, what Paul says, he says it a number of times, he says in Corinthians, he says, Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God, who raises the dead, who delivers us from so great a peril of death, and, the, and will deliver us. He on whom we have set our hope. What is this hope? Is it a feeling? Feelings come and go, but this hope is more than that. Hope is the anchor within the veil. We're talking about a person. It's Christ. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, one which is entered in the veil. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. This isn't something way out there or, or external of us. This is Christ, our hope, inside of us. And the more that he is formed inside of us, the more that we can stand and hold together. So when the storms of life comes, you know, when the storm is coming, you'll see a lot of yachties going down to the marina. What are they doing? They're tying their yacht down. They're trying to make sure their boat is secure so that when the, ra the rough waves and the wind blow, it's not going to be blown all over the show and wrecked on the rocks. How many times do we see people? It's really sad when I look back at the number of friends that I've had that no longer walk after God because of circumstances, because of hurt, because of somebody hurt them, or particularly when somebody that they idolized almost no longer walks with God and it just shipwrecked their faith. So is your faith built in a person out there, in man, or is it built in Christ so that no matter what happens, you are steadfast? 
You know, when Paul wrote these things, they were really difficult times. We got it so easy. And the, one of the big things that shipwrecks a lot of people's faith is apathy. Apathy. You think, oh, well, they won't. That wouldn't shipwreck it. But when you're sitting back and just, oh, yeah, it'll just happen, things like that. You know, things do happen. It'll catch you by surprise. And God is, God is actually awakening us up to actually make sure that this hope that we have is Christ and not of something else. So that we have an anchor within us because the times are coming when it's going to get rough. That's awesome, man. You know, in Ephesians 2, it talks about, you know, we didn't necessarily start this way, eh? You know, yeah. that, we, that we started in, you know, in bondage to sin, being overcome. It talks specifically about being overcome by the world and the flesh and the devil, you know? And, and so that's our starting point entering into life. And so this is not something that we're born naturally to. It's the reality of the born-again life that we enter into in Christ, eh? You know? That, that, this, that the overcoming is, yes, the world, the things around us, and what I hear you describing is also overcoming the things of the flesh. Yeah. You know, it's not just the world out there. Sometimes it can be the world in here that actually has the greatest influence over us, wrong mindsets, destructive thinking, insecurity, which all flow from a, a, you know, a, the, the reality of a life that's being disconnected to God at the fall. But actually the reality of the gospel is that we've been reconciled to God in, in, in true fellowship with him so that the flesh is no longer to have hold, a hold on us when we actually enter into this reconciled, new, born-again life. Hey, you know. So I don't know if, you, if any of you guys have anything to share on that. What does it look like to, to even overcome not just the world out there? What does it mean to overcome the reality of maybe the nature that we were born into? That's a great question. Yeah, I was thinking that same thing um, both, while both of you guys were talking, that sometimes the thing that needs to be overcome is me. It's a mindset. It's a way of always behaving. It's something that I grew up thinking was God and isn't. And what does it look like when you enter into a situation and there's an external issue going on and the natural mindset goes, this thing here needs to be overcome and God's going, this thing here needs to be overcome. And he is so good to bring you into the situation where he will allow you to go through this process where sometimes all you have left is the question that goes, what is it you're saying, God? What do you want to do here? And he's like, I've been waiting for you to ask that question. I want you to think differently. I want you to see differently because you're not behaving like you are, like you're supposed to be. And it's such a... I mean, just what you're saying, we have a living hope. It's not a, it's not a dead hope. Yeah. It's a living hope. Our hope is in someone that is alive. He's our hope. And, you know, just for an example on that, uh, I, have a, I have a testimony <laughs> where, um, you know, sometimes the things that God does in our lives, they can seem so small <laughs> and they can be so massive. Like they can just cause a shift in us that, is so much bigger than what it looks like from the outside. So many of the things that, <laughs> sorry, so many of the things that I feel like God's done in me, most people don't know. Like, it's just internal stuff. Like, before any of the external stuff is dealt with, man, there's, there's a lot to overcome in here. Um, 
And um, I've shared this before where, you know, we've got kids and, and you know, part of this journey's been been looking like uh, one of our kids, we, we want her to, we want all our kids to eat dinner. It's good that they eat dinner, you know, they need to, there's vegetables and all that kind of stuff and kids are kids and they don't want to eat dinner sometimes. And, and actually that can be okay for kids as well, right? Uh, um, so there was this one instance where I was sitting there for a while and just every night it was the same old song, eat your dinner, eat your dinner, and just feeling like I was running out of options. God, how can I get this, this girl to eat dinner? It's so important, you know, is it? <laughs> anyway, I just felt like the Holy Spirit just said to me, when, when do you get frustrated? Is it when you're powerless or powerful? And I was like, I'm frustrated when I'm powerless. And he's like, I didn't make you powerless. You're not powerless. I've given you a spirit of love and power and a sound mind, but you're operating like someone that's powerless. And so you don't know who you are. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm struggling with this issue and this isn't the issue. This is the issue. And so in the process of just taking that back to him and going, what does it look like to live as someone who is powerful that doesn't know that they're powerful? And he's like, let me show you. <laughs> Here's some options, you know. Firstly, do they need to eat dinner? If they're eating lunch and, and breakfast and they're just not hungry, why are you trying to feed them? You know, or why don't you give them something that they like? Or, you know, just thinking outside the box. And it's all just so simple, but the real work was in here. And so this is really a secondary thing. And so in a moment, something was overcome. Are they always eating their dinner? Well, they're better, but this changed first. And as a result of this changing, this changed but if I was stuck in hoping that all of this was going to change and I'm exempt from it because I have the mind of Christ or I'm redeemed and that, that exonerates me from, from process, then I've, I haven't seen exactly what it is that needs to be overcome. And it's not always like that. Sometimes it's something else. Sometimes it is an external thing. Sometimes it is the world that needs to be overcome. But in this instance, it was absolutely me. That's massive, mate. You know, mm. and it just reminds me, of, you know, the famous words of Captain Jack Sparrow you know, from Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean. You know, and and he said, you know, it's 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 not the problem that's the problem; it's your attitude to the problem that's the problem. You know, I was like, oh, that guy's actually quite he's he's onto something, eh? You know, it's like, and and that is, you know, what I hear you describing is that actually the situation is very rarely the issue. You know, yeah. The vast majority of the time, it's what God's doing in us. That's the biggest. That's the biggest thing that's at stake, hey, you know. And I think you know it can be so easy to to take that and hear the wrong thing. That almost that God orchestrates horrible situations in our life to teach us a lesson. And that's not what you're saying, right? It's just that the reality of life turns up. And in every single situation, there's an opportunity for him to do a divine work, you know? Even in the midst of the most natural, normal, everyday things, he's at work. It's just whether or not we perceive it that way. 
and whether we're more concerned about him teaching us than we are about everything going our way, hey, you know, so that's awesome. It's, it's really amazing in the sense that I don't know whether you guys like Easter eggs, but, uh, you know, chocolate's chocolate and it's good. But when you get an egg that's hollow, there's no substance on the inside. It's sort of like half lets you down, you know. It's a tough like, life, eh, Chris? Oh, it is a tough life. Eggs. <laughs> but a lot, of our, a lot of us, you know, in our Christian walk, do we have any substance within us? And that's the whole big thing. And a lot of the trials and the things that we go through, God is allowing us so that we cry out to him so that he becomes a part of us, so that he is formed and shaped within us, so that we become, he becomes greater on the inside than whatever is the pressure out there. If you're going to go and see the Titanic, you don't use an ordinary submarine. They have to have special submarines to go that deep to go into it. So otherwise the pressure would crush the submarine. And the same thing with you, with walking deeper with God, you've got to have a substance that's greater within you than what's actually in the world. Otherwise you will crush and fall. Peter said it was so easy. I will never forsake you. I will never abandon you. I will never, you know, turn against you. What happened when the pressure came on? That submarine moment, he ran and fled. It's the same for us, you know, with the pressures that we will face and the pressures that we're under, things will happen that will press against us. So I remember years ago, I mean, it's often too, the fact is when we go through things, it's them that needs to change, right? It's always them that needs to change. Yet God will turn it around and look at our hearts and say, actually, it's here that needs to change. And so... I remember years ago at, uh, when I was uh, working, to this, um, working for this bank and uh, my supervisor, one of the ones that led this area, she just had it in for me. She, just, she was very matter-of-fact and very uh, 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 the whole way and she just had it for me. And, and I remember cowering under her fear, you know, cowering under the fear of it and every day was a real difficult day of wanting to go to work, you know. But I spent time with God every single day, just, God, change me. And I remember praying, you know, Timothy, you know, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Lord, this is what's off on offer from you to be worked in here. You know, I prayed that every morning before I went in, and I was praying, God, I need you for the every moment of this day. And, you know, over a period of six months, it wasn't just a you know, quick fix, but over a period of six months, the strength that was within changed. You know, she said a lot of different things to me over that period of time, and yet it didn't have any effect on me. In fact, I didn't fear her at all. And so things changed, but the change was in me, not in her. A couple of years later, she uh, ended up looking after a different group, and uh, to cut a long story short, one day she came to me and said, I want to see you in the office. First thing that comes to mind is, uh-oh, what have I done, you know? But we sat down in the office and she said, um, look, I know you're a Christian, she said, and I wonder if you could pray for me because my sister's dying of cancer and I don't know what to do. And so I was able to pray for her and she said, you know, I can trust you. 
She'd seen something in me. And, of course, later, years after that, when I left Westpac um, at that time, um, there was a group of us, and we went out for lunch and things like that. And one guy who was one of the supervisors there in that, in that team, he said to me, can I ask you something? And I said, yeah. He said, you know, the way she treated you was so bad, I felt like getting up and slapping her. But you were just so calm and so peaceful. What was it? And I was able to share the testimony of what God had been doing in me. So over all that period of time, you see, we forget others are looking. Others are seeing what God is doing on the inside of us. Yeah, That's cool, as I, and to me it's, it's treasure in an earthen vessel way. You know, there's something divine in you that all of a sudden when tested, has come out, eh? You know. Were there any other key things that you guys had particularly that you wanted to to share? Um, yeah, I was also thinking about that that on the vessel theme. You know, when you think of a vessel, the vessel to me is empty, and it's empty of self. And so often, that's the bit that we don't want to give up. You know, it's it's um it's not my will but your will be done. And that is the overcoming position because when we are a vessel that's set apart, sanctified for the master's use, we're free of self. I don't need to have this outcome. I don't need to look a certain way. I don't need all of these things. What is it that you want to do? Lead me where you'll lead me. And I feel like so much of what it is that he does and I love that you clarified that, Sam. You know, he doesn't orchestrate the situation, but he will certainly use it to bring about a process of transformation in us that we would be found in his likeness. Because that's the goal, isn't it? That we would be found in the likeness of Christ. And so in this process, it's the the losing of your life that we would be found, our lives would be found hidden in his life. And it's what's born of God that overcomes the world, not what it is that I want to overcome the world. And even even Joshua had that. I love this bit where he's ready to go into the promised land, and it's been promised to him. Of course, it's the promised land. And he goes up to the top of this mountain, and he meets the captain of the Lord's armies. And he's, and he's got a question, and it's one of two things. And he says, are you for us or for our enemies? And the captain of the Lord's armies is like, no. And he doesn't really answer the question because he doesn't fit into either of these two boxes. Joshua's a man of God, but he's still got his ideas of what things are going to be. And God's like, no, let me redefine something here. That this is about what I want, not what it is that you want. I'm not going to fit in your boxes. And I feel like so much of that is what we're working and walking out, you know. I, I do have a little testimony that might lead us on to the next. Oh, yeah. Is Can I share something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Um, <laughs> You've got to stop me sometimes. No, no, it's, it's, it's good. We're just doing a bit of a dance, you know, excuse us. Uh, um, no, and I think I just wanted to pick up on, some, on something that you're saying, you know, because, you know, we, we've talked a, a, quite a lot about what it means to overcome the world, you know, and, and, and that sort of thing, and where situations 
have been something that we've had to work through and that there's needed to be a work done in here. Yeah. I feel, what I feel like is real key in what you're saying is that sometimes it can be our view of God yes. that can be the biggest thing that needs to be overcome, so you know? And I know that's certainly been the case for me in my life, you know, as, you know, as, you know, having having grown up exposed to these kind of environments, you know, and even in my in my early twenties, really desperately wanting to please God and doing everything I possibly could to live for Him, but it felt like the harder that I tried, the more anxious and desperate I got on the inside, and the more aware of my inability to live for Him. Yes. My and it, it led me into such a place of inner turmoil. Yeah that I couldn't necessarily even say that there was this situation that had done it. It was just wanting to live for him in and of my own capacity, you know, and it got so bad. And I've shared at times before in Banquet, my my beard started growing, going patchy gray in my early 20s. You know, like it was, I, I was, I was so... Um, I was. It was like I was in a washing machine, you know. And it was because I, my, like, I, I didn't know this at the time, but looking back in hindsight, it's a beautiful thing. My view of God was that if I could just please Him, He would be for me, you know. And so I was so, working so hard to do what I thought was the right thing to do, but I just didn't know that I had been made right, you know. And and there was a time when I was out walking, and um, I shared a little little bits and pieces before, but it was almost like something in my, this desperate, broken place that opened up, you know, and a scripture just randomly out of the blue popped into my mind, and it was like, behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and it wasn't even what the words of the scripture was, it was almost like something opened up inside me that I saw something that I hadn't seen before, you know, and the beginning of the scripture, it says, you know, that it's the same light that when God spoke, let there be light, it's that same light that has shone in our hearts, yes. giving us the, the light of the glory of Christ. It was like that. It was like I went from being darkened in my desperate desire to please him to all of a sudden a light got turned on. And I, I saw myself for the first time in what I was trying to do for God. And then I saw the reality of, behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. God has come to live inside me and it was almost like the thing I had been desperately trying to achieve I received for free through revelation that what I needed was not to do things for him what I needed was for him to live inside me and I received not a message of what I needed to do for God I received Christ himself in me and it was like the scales fell from the eyes of my heart and in the moment for the first time I tasted Man, I've been made right because God's come to live inside of me. Not because I had managed to find this place of such perfection that all of a sudden I was pleasing to God and now I could be his son because of things I had done. It was like the gospel, I received what I was desperately trying to work for but could never attain, you know? And I feel like, you know, in, in, in so many of these things, our view of God is what defines everything, eh? You know, and that an unhealthy view. In hindsight, I knew that I I can see, man, I was just doing what Adam and Eve had done in the garden as a Christian. I was trying to approve myself to him. I didn't realize what the blood and what the reality of righteousness and what redemption had bought for me, and I couldn't live in it and live from it because I thought I was outside of it, you know? And so revelation of who God was, 
unlocks everything, eh? And it certainly set my life on a completely different course, eh? So sorry, just want you know, we were talking about we're weaving the testimony kind yeah. of in and out of this thing, but just wanted to, to grab that moment and talk about seeing him as being, re- or revelation of him on the inside as being what un- unlocks so much, eh? No, that's that's um, so powerful, and that's that again is so key. Eh? Seeing him as he is, not as we think he is. I'm I'm so glad that you um, shared that. Um, so I was gonna, I was just thinking about an instance where um, we had these uh, neighbours, and they were they were pretty wild. You know, one was a they had a rock a rock and roll band, um, and. There was other things going on there as well. I won't go into it. But they were wild. They had some wild parties. And so this would be... They would have band practice in the room next to our house. And it was loud. And we'd wake up in the morning and there'd be broken bottles on the driveway. And, you know, all these kinds of things. And it was... I was like, man, this is ruckus. It's really going off. And, you know, for ages I was like, what are we going to do, God? You know, what are we going to do? You've got to get rid of these guys. And then just in the process of time... God just showed me something that I hadn't seen and it was just that they were his children too and that they weren't living based on a knowledge of who he was, that they just had no idea. And he just put it into my heart to start praying for them, stop complaining about my perfect little world being disrupted and was like, I I asked you to pray for your enemies, you know. And I was like, gosh, how am I not doing that? You know, and so it was a real opener for me. And I just started to pray for this this one guy in particular. I was like, God, just bless this guy, you know, whatever it is that he's lacking, God, just touch that, you know, heal him, make him whole. You know, and that's that, that so there was a something that shifted in me, which was based on the knowledge of God, where I was like, actually, you're about so much more than me, you know, the old self turned up again. And what happened in the process of that was as I'm praying for this guy, it must have been less than two weeks, he has this big argument with his girlfriend outside, everything was outside, um, and, um, and off they go. And I, I, I had a work situation that was happening where, this was years ago, and um, I've got a great painter now, but I didn't have a great painter in those days. And uh, I needed a painter. Jeremy's just wiping yeah, his yeah. Brain, eh? I just <laughs> wanted to clarify. <laughs> um, so I didn't have a, a painter in those days. And I was like, I had, a, I had a job that I needed a painter for. And my painter had just turned around and told me that he couldn't do it. And I was like, oh, man, I'm in trouble, you know. So I need this. I need the neighbours sorted out, all this stuff. And um, anyway, I'm... I'm I, I've been praying for this guy. I pull out of the driveway. I, I jump in the car. I've got to go to this job. I pull out of the driveway, and he's standing on the side of the road, and I'm like, hey, mate, what are you up to? And he's like, oh, I just had an issue with my girlfriend, and I was like, oh, really? <laughs> Didn't know. <laughs> totally knew. I said, look, mate, I could hear it, you know. And I said, what are you up to? And he goes, oh, not much. And I said, what do you do? And he said, I'm a painter. <laughs> and I was like, are you working at the moment? He's like, nah. I said, mate, I'm just about to go to this job. I need a painter on there. Do you want to check it out for me? He said, yeah. So he jumped in the passenger seat and we drove to this job. And I got to, I just got to talk with him about the gospel on the way. You know? And I was like, and they, they must have moved out in two weeks after that, you know? And it, it, so, like, all my boxes got ticked. But, 
you know, the real, the real thing was that it wasn't about them moving out because by the time they moved out, I didn't need them to move out. This was already dealt with. I, I was being made whole. And so much life came from this position of just going, I, I don't need it to look like I've wanted it to look. What do you want it to look like? And that's the, the Christ in us, eh? He goes, actually, my heart is for this guy too. Yeah. Uh, There's a great story, eh? And, and, and I love, the th- to me, the theme that I, I'm hearing in all of this, eh? It's, it's what God is doing in us yeah. through the situation, yes. eh? That's, that's ultimately what it means to overcome. It's not to, to get good neighbors. It's not to get a painter. It's actually that God would form love in us, Christ's very nature, eh? You know, so that we're overcoming not just the situation, but the reality of what may have been in here and now has been replaced by his divine light and love, eh? You know, so that's awesome. Cool. Last, oh, Chris is is wearing to go. We've got a couple couple more minutes and then we'll break up into groups. But Chris, you know. I'll make this quick. Um, I used to think, I used to work on formulas um, so when a certain situation came, this is how you act, you know, this is what you did. And of course, as you know, um, back in 2015, I became very ill. And so I ch- my first port of call was formula. I declared this, I declared that over myself. And, you know, sometimes there's a hollowness about your prayers. It carries no weight in the spirit. It's empty. And you can have two people praying the same thing, and one can carry weight in the spirit, and the other one, even though it's the same words, it's hollow. There's no substance from within. My prayers were hollow. That's what it felt like. And I was, it got to the point where I was desperate, and I was crying out in pain uh, on lying on the bed. And as you know, my testimony, God spoke so clearly to me. Now, that word sustained me. Suddenly, his love was washing over me. Suddenly, even though the pain didn't go, his presence was in me. And he said that he was going to walk me through it, that he was with me in it. You know, I felt a whole change take place. I love what Paul says. You know, he talks about his weakness. He says, my grace, he was crying out to God himself. He implored the Lord three times. And the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for, my, for power is perfected in weakness. My, most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. And that's the whole thing about, you know, when we get to a place where we feel like we're being overcome, it's him inside of us that overcomes it. So it's not something hollow. It's something that's a substance within. And that's what changed my life. And, and it was his word, his sustaining word to me that got me through it because it opened up my eyes to a new reality. It wasn't a formula. It was a person. It was him. And that's changed me. Now, I've been through six years of pain and all sorts of things like that. And yet there's a joy within me. There's still something in me that's not just chucking it in and walking away. I know God is for me, and he's a good, good father. I love what he says here, and this has been one of the verses that I've just been made so much to me. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though the outward man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory 
far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, that's in the physical, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You know, if over these six years, more and more, I've seen what it is about the eternal. It carries more weight than what is in the physical. And even though my body is wasting away, I know in my spirit, my spirit is renewed. And I thank God, you know, whether he heals me or whether he doesn't, he is God. And he is the strength of my life. So it's, he's the one that overcomes in us. Oh, that's that's cool, and and I think actually now that I did say we we're just about to break off in the groups, I do just want to like nail this last question in two minutes because I think there's something really. <laughs> Don't laugh. It's all right. We're still on track. We're still on track. <laughs> two minutes. <laughs> all right. All right. Because um, I think something that is really key in what you're saying there, Chris, you know, about how do we overcome? You know, and what you what I hear, heard you say was that we overcome through Christ in us. And in, you know, in, in just the last literally two minutes, I don't know if we just want to touch on that quickly. You know, and I just put here as the last question: If we find ourselves overcome by the things of life, or the things of the world, or the things of the flesh, maybe it's you know situations, or maybe it's mental health issues, maybe it's physical health. You know, how do we actually overcome these things and live from this this divine life in us? Do we just want to quickly? Talk about that. Do you have anything, Chris? Um, yeah, it's a good question because it's it's probably a whole lot less about what it is we do. Hey, eh? and I think that we can easily go. For me, when I think I've got this, there's two parts to it. There's the there's the perspective, which is why the sight part of it's so important. So once you've seen something, you can't unsee it. And and what is the sight that we're living? from and for, you know, we're, we're, if we're earthbound, we're going to be living for the things of earth and the, 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 the temporal, um, but when we receive a revelation and we have this new sight of who God is and who we are in light of that, our, our priorities change and our focus changes, so I think recognizing that's a big deal. When, when we go, okay, I can't make that happen, but you can make that happen. And I feel like, um, obviously, there's the external part of that as well, which we probably don't need to talk too much about, but um, I feel like so much of overcoming in my own journey has, a, has been a real position of surrender because it's not about what I can do, but it is about who is the overcomer. So he's the overcomer, and my part is to be found in him, in that. And so when, I mean, when you think about it like this, the church that Jesus Christ is building is not overcome. If we are that church, then we're not overcome. So if we're being overcome, then, you know, you can, you can look at the equation and, and work that out pretty simply. He's not overcome. He's overcome the world. Whatever's born of Christ overcomes the world. But there are some things that I might do by default, and this is where it comes into our side or our process again, that might need to be worked on. It could be anything. But in its most simplest form, and I, I feel like I said this last time I was up here, is the coming to him. Come to me, you who are heavy, uh, are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Well, he's the rest. 
He's the promised land that we're called to enter into. And that's the story of the overcomer, isn't it? Perfect. I think, I think that, that just kind of rounds it off, eh? You know, that, that we're not just talking about, you know, thinking differently, getting a new mindset, trying to change yourself. We're talking about receiving revelation of who he is, divine sight and surrendering to who it is that he is and the work, the divine work he wants to do in us. So that's awesome.